Hello and welcome to the Outside and Active podcast, where we share conversations with people to help inspire you to make the most of the great outdoors. On this next episode, we discuss the word adventure and what does that even mean? If all you do is go to your local park and climb a tree, then that's an adventure, right? If you want to summit the three peaks, then that's an adventure too, isn't it? Adventures are all relative to where you live and what you can personally achieve. It shouldn't be constrained by every Instagram account you follow based in far-flung places. I hope you enjoy our conversation with Alistair Humphreys, a British adventurer and author. He has been on expeditions all around the world, traveling through over 80 countries by bicycle, boat and on foot. And he was named one of National Geographic's Adventurers of the Year in 2012. We talk about lots of Alistair's exploits and micro-adventures, the opportunity for adventure in the everyday. But first, on this episode, we're working with two epic partners on the podcast, Run Triple Seven and the Youth Adventure Trust. Before we begin our conversation with Alistair, you can have a quick listen to the adventure of a lifetime with Run Triple Seven and the Youth Adventure Trust's Resilience Challenge. We've got the best adventure for you to win so far this year. You could win the adventure of a lifetime worth over £3,000 with Run 777. That's seven marathons in seven countries in seven days. Oh yes, it's time to redefine what's possible and be epic. Run 777 isn't a race to the finish line. It's an epic adventure of achievement, camaraderie and breathtaking scenery. Join the crew as they run through the glorious scenery of the Czech Republic, Slovakia, Hungary, Croatia, Slovenia, Austria and finally Italy as they take on one incredible week filled with great food, luxury hotels, and incredible people. One Run 777 Central and Eastern European tour is up for grabs, and one lucky winner stands a chance to win their spot on the May 2023 tour. Plus, you get one-to-one coaching with Ultra Trail Cape Town winner Christian Grayling. All you need to do is enter in your details, and you automatically get put into the prize draw. This is your time, and it's time to be epic. Sign up at runninhigh.com forward slash win. That's R-U-N-I-N-H-I dot com forward slash win. If you've been inspired from some of our recent conversations with guests like Sir Ranulph Fiennes back on episode one, but want a bit more motivation to get outside and active during these winter months, then sign up now for the Youth Adventure Trust Resilience Run and Inspire Young Lives. We'll share the link in our notes, but you could head over to youthadventuretrust.org.uk forward slash resilience hyphen challenge. Taking place over half term week, Saturday the 19th to Sunday the 27th of February, you can complete your own challenge in a day or across an entire week. You can choose from 25, 65, 100 or even 200 kilometers on your favorite road, trails or indoors if you prefer. I've signed up with my three kiddos to see if they can do 25 kilometers of running and getting on their bikes that week. It's not a race, it's a go-at-your-own-pace style challenge to see how far you can go. There are some epic prizes to be won from the North Face, and if you do fundraise £25 or over, there'll be an epic medal winging its way to you after the challenge. So head over to youthadventuretrust.org.uk forward slash resilience hyphen challenge and sign up today. And now, back to the episode with Alistair Humphreys. Welcome to the Outside and Active podcast, uh, Alistair Humphreys. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning. I'm very well. Thank you for having me. Good. Well, welcome. And I know we're, I'm not sure if we're sharing the video on this one yet, but you've got what looks like an awesome wall in your shed of books and all sorts of stuff and flags. And I'm trying to sort of see everything on there. I think there's a globe down in the corner as well. A globe, <laughs> which is also a drinks cabinet. 
Is it? <laughs> Which was full before lockdown began. It's now alarmingly yeah. empty. But yeah, I work. This is the shed where I uh, write my books and do my work. And yeah, I've got loads of travel books. Travel books were something that really inspired me to wanting to travel and have adventures myself. And then I suppose led me on to trying to want to become a writer. And it's, yeah, it's also a place where I can just keep the bits and bobs and junk that I find out and about that doesn't seem to have a home anywhere else. Yeah, it makes its way into your shed. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, well maybe Alistair, for those that don't know you, I know you kind of talked a little bit about writing and um and adventures, but maybe tell us a little bit about who you are. Okay. Um yeah, so I'm an adventurer, um, which is a ridiculous job description <laughs> for a, a mid- title <laughs> for a middle-aged man. Um I've done big adventures like cycling around the world, um, walking across southern India, rowing the Atlantic. Um, walking across the empty quarter, crossing Iceland, uh, playing my violin and busking very badly through Spain. Um, But then I also moved on to doing a lot of small adventures, which I called micro adventures, which was my attempt to take all of the good stuff that I love about big global expeditions and try and bring them and shrink them down to being something that is accessible for real people in the real world for everyday people who are busy and don't have the time or the money or the skills or all of these things to do the big expeditions how can we still find the fun and the benefit of adventure and wilderness and nature and challenge close to home so i started doing micro adventures short simple local um, adventures and i've spent quite a lot of years now writing and encouraging people to just find the opportunities for adventure in the everyday rather than lamenting the fact that you can't perhaps go and spend months cycling across the United States. Um, and then I, I write books about those. Um, yeah. And that's me. Yeah. Amazing. I remember listening cause you started a podcast as well and you're actually kind of documenting some of these um, kind of local adventures, I think, micro adventures, but I think trying to keep things relatively speaking local. I don't know if that means just England for you, or is that kind of in your area, or what does what does that mean? Well, so micro adventures began with me just thinking that if you want to do X adventure, but you can't for whatever reason, don't just feel sad and do nothing. Think, okay, what smaller version of that can I do? in the landscape that I live in with the equipment that I have and the money and the time and the fitness that I have, it's better to do something than to do nothing. And so that's all a micro adventure is really. It's just, it's an adventure and I don't like to define it because what might feel like a big adventure to me might be a tiny, easy thing for you. So it's not a, it's just a, it's It's basically relative, isn't it? Exactly. It's relative. Wherever you live, go and do something. If you live in a big city, go climb a tree in a park, whatever it is, that sort of thing. And the podcast I did was an example of trying to demonstrate how you can get many, if not all of the experiences of huge adventure closer to home. So I spent years ago, I spent four years cycling around the world. And then for my podcast, I decided to spend just one month cycling around Yorkshire, the county that I grew up in, because I realized that I'd actually spent a lot more time cycling around Uzbekistan than Yorkshire. And so I wanted to see, to see if I could explore the world of local to see what I could find close to home, to meet people who were living adventurously in different ways um, close to home and to constrain myself to only being able to ride in Yorkshire for one month and when I started I was a bit worried I was thinking oh Yorkshire's a big county but it's not that big for a month 
this might get a bit boring. I might run out of ideas and places and people. This might be a bit rubbish. But after a month of cycling around, I realised just how little I'd seen. And actually, I could have cycled around that small corner of England for six months, still going places I'd never been before, which means you're being an explorer, meeting new people. Um, I'm learning more and more and more that the adventure is about your attitude to it rather than jumping on a plane to somewhere expensive and far away. There's so many questions I have um, just off that. And I think that what does it mean being an explorer? I think it's quite incredible because actually I think a lot of us maybe see who I had the pleasure of meeting, people like Sir Ranulph Fiennes going, now that's an explorer. Um, But I think you've just captured something there that's quite amazing. That Actually, Mm -hmm. if you haven't been to whatever, the next green park or the other part of the South Downs Way, you're exploring. So you're kind of you're opening your mind to whole new experiences, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, Ranulph Fiennes was my original inspiration. So far be it for me to disparage Sir Ran in any way. But the sort of places he goes, there are satellite images of, there's maps of, there's um, Captain Scott had been to the South Pole before he'd been there. So quite a lot of what all of us do is known. I envy the people who first who used to go to Paris and had never seen the Eiffel Tower a million times on TV and to see that wow factor or to see the Great Wall of China without having known so much about it beforehand. So it's in some ways harder to be an explorer today if an explorer is about going somewhere new and doing something that surprises and challenges you. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, if you change your definition of it to mean that exploring is going somewhere that you have never done but gone before or doing a challenge that you have never done before then it's it's very easy to be an explorer and it really comes down to just your attitude to the attitude of choosing to do something and being curious with absolutely everything you do Um, I've spent for the last three years I've done a monthly tree climb so I climb the same tree to the same place on the first Wednesday of every month and have a cup of tea up there And it's a brilliant way to just stop emailing and Zoom calling for 20 minutes um, to just sit and notice that seasons are changing, see what plants have changed since I was last there, to think a little bit about what I've done in my life since I was last there and to maybe plan for the next month. And then I come down from my tree and get back on with the mayhem of emails and Zooms again. So you can squeeze, exactly. But so you can just squeeze nature in and curiosity in around the busyness of our daily lives and I think that's really important especially in these troublesome times yeah indeed and it's I mean I'm guessing you know that round trip to your your tree with your tea but you know it's only an hour but I guess what you experience what you open your eyes up to in that hour um is quite something Mm. well there's a saying isn't there that if you're if you're too busy to spend an hour in sitting in nature then you need to go and spend two hours sitting in nature Mm. Uh, because we are all far too busy, busy, busy. And I think it's it's climbing a tree for 20 minutes is a good opportunity to think which parts of my life are complete nonsense. I'm only doing just because everyone else is doing, and I should actually just stop doing them and spend more time sitting up in trees. (laughs) I think it's a great, great, great idea. Great, um, great suggestion for people. Um, But okay, so coming, coming back to Yorkshire, just out of interest, like, I think, you know, some people might say cycling around Yorkshire, is that like your Saturday rides or is that were you cycling every day? Like what sort of distance were you covering throughout that one month? So this was a a full month 
adventure. So I packed my bike and I left home for a month and I set off and I deliberately didn't have a bike computer on Mm -hmm. and I deliberately had no idea how many miles I rode, which which goes against everything cyclist like and also goes against quite a lot of what I like as well but I didn't really care I just rode but I pretty much rode from morning till night all day every day Uh, so I was doing a lot of miles but along the way if it was a nice cafe I'd stop and have a cup of tea and I was interviewing podcast guests along the way so um, I interviewed 40 different people in the month so I had quite a lot of time to stop and visit their houses and chat and eat cake so I, the nice thing was there wasn't a, I had a month to ride around and do interesting stuff. I didn't have a destination to get to. And that was a very different feeling for me. Pretty much every expedition I've ever done has been, the goal is to get from A to B. If you do not get to B, you fail and the whole thing is pointless. And so it was a very, very different experience to that. What, to, to coin a cliche, the journey was the reward. It wasn't about the destination. It was about the places I saw along the way. And that's the sort of trite wisdom, which we all know to be true, but I never actually get around to in my life. I've spent a lot of my expeditions thinking it's only about getting to the end. That's yeah. all that matters. Yeah, yeah, but it's actually, it's the entire journey along the way. I thought it was an absolutely wonderful experience. It, so much of it reminded me time and again of my experiences from cycling the whole way around the planet in terms of, yeah. The, the feelings you have of the exhilaration of being up for the sunrise or the loneliness and sadness you feel when it's raining and you think this is rubbish. I wish I was yeah. at home um, or the, the boost you get when you meet a kind stranger who uh, gives you a cup of tea and waves you on your way um, or the excitement of just camping out under the stars at night. Those things you get, whether you're cycling around the world for years or whether you're away for a month or even just going on a, a weekend overnight micro adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amazing. Well, in that time as well, you met lots of interesting people, like you said. So maybe we could kind of pick like three of your, I don't know if it's favorite, best or most memorable, maybe, but sort of conversations with those people or places that you kind of had along the way. So what was your, you know, counting down from three, what was your sort of third most memorable part of that experience? Oh, goodness, you really put me on the spot now to even my terrible memory to remember <laughs> to remember who I met, let alone rank them. Well, yeah. w- one thing that I think then to give me some thinking time while I desperately cock, cobble up an answer <laughs> would be to say that the people I was in- interviewing and interested in were not who I would traditionally have been interested in in terms of adventure. So what I was interested in was people who were living adventurously. That was the name of my podcast, and that was how I decided to choose people. And I had a very... I've gradually developed having spent um, some time playing my violin through Spain and I cannot play the violin at all. So that was a terrifying, vulnerable, scary experience because I was playing the violin. And that, that experience helped me change my definition of what adventure meant. Adventure isn't just climbing mountains. Yeah. Adventure is doing something that scares you, that challenges you, that makes you grow. So, um, and that's much broader than just climbing mountains. So, for example, I interviewed a guy who uh, had a perfectly normal job um, and he quit that job to become a professional sandcastle builder. So he makes, you occasionally see them on the news, these sort of yeah. gigantic sand sculptures at 
county fairs or something or he does these beautiful things when you look you can't see him from the ground but from up above he does artwork on the beach oh, the sort of patterns and things yeah hundreds yeah. of meters hundreds of meters of patterns and then they get washed away with the tide and he did a beautiful one uh in 2018 for the end of the first world war down at the uh dunkirk beaches yeah. and fallen soldiers beautiful amazing huge artwork and then six hours later it's washed away and it's yeah. gone um, and that fascinated me in all sorts of ways for uh, what he was doing. Uh, and, I inter- and just sorry on on that, like so that's literally he yeah quit full time work world and does that now for for his living. Yeah, yeah, that's now his job. Yeah, uh, he does a bit of ice sculpting here and there when he needs a bit of cash. But uh, yeah, 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 mostly sure. sand, mostly sandcastles. He's got a team of guys. Um, yeah, they do these giant things. It's fantastic. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I saw quite a few people I was interviewed were people who've chosen a different path in life, and I'm always interested in those sort of people. I think perhaps to try and justify my own existence a bit. <laughs> um, I interviewed a chef, for example, Tommy Banks, who was uh, Britain's youngest Michelin star chef at the time. But what's interesting about him was that he was a farming family. Mm-hmm. His parents bought the village pub. They essentially let their two teenage sons, Tommy and his brother, run it. It was a total disaster. It was a rubbish pub that sold sausage and chips. And these days, pubs only survive if they sell good food. No one drives to a rubbish pub to have fish and chips. And he was faced with the decision of, do we sell scampi and chips and make it much cheaper than everyone else so they come? Or how about we try and make the best food possible? And he went on this mission to seek out mentors and get people to help him learn. And he became very good at cooking and turned it around and uh, you, yeah you can't get a seat in uh, his pub for love and the money now he's got Incredible. a michelin star uh, and i really enjoyed that because he came from just completely the background he came from was nothing to do with being a fancy chef at all it was literally a choice he made in his life to head off in a different direction so i found him really interesting yeah incredible incredible mm. okay and what about what's your your final most memorable i don't know if there's never a final right no i continue forever <laughs> yeah i can't i can't really rank them all can i settle uh, for two for now yeah of course that's okay. fine. <laughs> my terrible memory um, okay so um you also do some work or you're an ambassador i think for the youth adventure trust is that right yeah i'm a patron i think is the technical patron. term which is which essentially means that i love what the youth adventure trust do i think it's brilliant um those guys do incredible and very important work and all i try and do is shout about it to new audiences to say hey guys the youth adventure trust is brilliant it's helping young kids who are having really struggling in life and it's helping them get on a perhaps a a better path for the future through the outdoors and adventure and from my own experiences of spending many years in the outdoors and adventure I know just how beneficial it can be it's been hugely beneficial for me and I'm one of the lucky ones I've had a good life throughout these kids have had really tough starts to life and adventure is helping them so I try and encourage people to uh, get involved um, and to champion the challenges and things that they come up with for people well and that I think you know you because you mentioned it and I I don't want to take it completely out of context but you sort of mentioned about a lot of the adventures we go on of being quite privileged of what we do you know I I definitely feel that way like from my house I'm five minutes into the Southlands way or five minutes into into the English Channel kind of thing so I'm obviously quite fortunate with where we are with that but a lot of people don't have that opportunity or come from backgrounds maybe where the parents don't encourage that kind of 
you know, back to one of your earlier comments about exploration. So I think that's that's very much what the Youth Adventure Trust does, right? If they are struggling in any of those sorts of situations, that they kind of help give them a step up, not just to do the adventure, but to start to build things like resilience and, you know, physical and mental toughness through the outdoors, I think. Yeah, exactly. Because I think no one is pretending that adventure is really important in the big scheme of life. It's a bit like sport. You play at it a game because it helps you get things that are important in life rather than the thing itself being important. So yeah, for these Mm -hmm. young people that the Youth Adventure Trust are helping, going camping is not going to be their, is not the solution to their life, but it helps them get away from the difficulties they have at home. And then through the the skills and the friendship and the camaraderie and the self-confidence um, they develop on that, then hopefully they become more determined to pursue a different route. And a lot of these young people have got, a lot of them are caring for sick family members, for example. Um, and they just struggle to have the time and the resources and frankly, the energy to think about doing anything in their life beyond just coping. So the Youth Adventure Trust puts a framework in place that helps these young people get a little break from the struggles of home and a break, which actually is also going to be helping them for their adult life as well. Yeah, okay. And I know they've also got their resilience challenge coming up in February. So I'm going to share a little bit more about that and all the links and everything so that people could sign up. Um, but you know, I think these last few years have been quite tough for people. So, and I think from, from all backgrounds, people have struggled to cope with that in in various ways, shapes and sizes. But I wonder if you could share a little bit your thoughts on how kind of adventures or how being in the outdoors has helped build some of that sort of, I guess, mental toughness, um, or the ability to cope with, you know, tough situations. Yeah, I think, I think adventure and physical exercise so doing challenging physical things whether that's for you whether that's a 5k a half marathon or a marathon or an ultra marathon if pushing yourself to do something really difficult is just a great metaphor for life well it has been for me it's uh, it's hard not to sound preachy because yeah. but but on so just personally for me going on adventures i i started life not particularly confident and not really valuing myself particularly highly i just thought oh, i'm rubbish at everything and uh, going on adventures and doing something that was difficult out in the elements where nature the, the mountains and the rain they don't care about you you're not competing against them you're just competing against yourself to think can i keep going a little bit further can i keep going a little bit further and it becomes a sort of virtuous positive feedback cycle really if you you accomplish one small thing you feel a little bit better and you think oh maybe next time I can do something a little bit bigger and the next time you're out doing something a bit bigger you remember how hard it was the first time but you remember ways that you coped and you got through it and you remember how good you felt by persevering Um, and then pride comes and you get through it again and gradually these things become easier Actually, they don't become easier. You just start doing the bigger and bigger ones. Um, Push yourself more. Yeah. (laughs) And I think the great thing that Youth Adventure Trust do is that they obviously need cash, essentially. They're Mm -hmm. charity. They all need cash, especially in these uh, difficult times. So one of their fun ways they do fundraising is by trying to not just say to people, give us your money, but to actually uh, facilitate a way in which all of us can get involved in doing physical challenges, which benefit us and also can raise money for them. So their their 
resilience challenge it's happening over February half term is about trying to get lots of us to choose whether to I don't know run or ride or ramble or swim whatever we want to grow some resilience from that choose a distance that we're going to do in the day or the week and uh, get out there and just do something and get some momentum for ourselves and also help the youth adventure trust yeah amazing and you know actually we've i say my kids have signed up i signed them up um (laughs) but but what we're actually doing you know we've given them a distance i think it was 25 kilometers over the week for them and my my kids range from well they are three five and ten um but we we've actually giving them the task of we've got a map for our you know local area and ordnance survey type map um and we're getting them to sort of plot some of the routes so they're actually just going to open their mind up to off screen we're going to go on map and sort of and have our little micro adventure there it's lots of places we've been with them lots especially in the last two years while we were restricted to home areas um but it's kind of it's quite a nice and, and fun way to get them engaged to explore our local area a bit more yeah, that's a brilliant thing. I think the fact that you are getting them engaged in the process is is a key part of getting young people into adventures anyway. It's giving themselves um, control and responsibility. And well, you can go that way if you want, but if you go down that hill and get through the yeah. mud and you struggle, or maybe you think a bit and go that way around, but giving them some responsibilities that comes with consequences and then the rewards that come with having made good choices and persevered through them is a a brilliant thing i think yeah i think yeah. yomping through the woods with a map there are lots of good metaphors for life in there yeah oh absolutely absolutely okay um i wanted to ask briefly because you talked about um your cycle trip around the world for example um which i think we could probably have a whole nother conversation purely on that but just you know we've kind of we've talked about some of the adventures people have met and and how various people cope with building up resilience and stuff did you see a sort of pattern in how people acted or interacted maybe with some of the sort of tough locations that they're living in that you cycled through or the situations they're in? I mean, imagining some were very poor areas, some were probably a little bit more opulent. Did you sort of notice a pattern in how people sort of acted in those environments? Yes, very much so. Now, there's a there's a lot of there's all sorts of problems with doing mass generalizations of entire demographics in a one minute soundbite interview, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, but I'm going to do it anyway. We'll try, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, for example, what I really noticed cycling around the world. Uh, so I cycled the length of Africa, South America, North America, and across Asia. And what I noticed there was in all those different places some generalizations which really did hold true by and large, which was that. Everywhere I went, I felt safe and welcome, and the world was a good, kind, generous place. Um, I really noticed that poorer places generally were more welcoming and hospitable and willing to stop and chat for a couple of minutes and to smile and laugh. Mm -hmm. And the richer places were in a hurry that people were in their houses or in their cars and I felt more isolated and lonely often in the richer parts of the world. Interesting. Um, and that the places which were sort of filled with happiness were often the really simple communities where life was lived a lot more outdoors. So people are outdoors uh, doing their laundry or threshing corn or, thing, or things like that. And the kids are rampaging around the streets, mm-hmm. uh, playing with an old tire. That sort of thing was where there was a lot of 
laughter and energy and enthusiasm. And of course, there was poverty and all of that as well. But in terms of the relevance to this conversation, uh, I definitely notice some of those uh, generalities. Yeah, interesting. Really interesting. Okay, um, we're coming up on time, but I'm wondering if you could share, um, if you could share your top tip for someone that's, you know, maybe struggling to get out or don't know where to start with a micro adventure, but, you know, how can someone get started doing their own micro adventure? Well, there are lots of things that can stop people. I think, so the thing that start, got me wanting to do micro adventures was I've, when I spent, I spent years talking about big expeditions around the world and I very rarely almost never met somebody who essentially said their adventure's rubbish I've travels rubbish I've no interest end of conversation that almost never happened so I came to assume that pretty much everyone likes the idea of travel and adventure and nature and going to new places but then real life gets in the way for, and everyone has the, uh, different reasons for why real life is getting in the way generally a lack of time, a lack of money, or I think since COVID and lockdown began, a lack of oomph, a lack of motivation to oomph, to get out there and take over the world. And one, and I felt very much like that in the last two years. And it's very, very hard to overcome that. So what I've found is that when you feel, when you're struggling to get out on an adventure for whatever reason, the, the key thing is to do something. It really doesn't matter what it is. So for example, the days when I really can't be bothered to go for a run, I have a deal with myself that all I have to do is put on my trainers. I go out my front door and go to the um, street lamp 50 yards away. And after that, I'm allowed to come back home and watch TV and eat cake. But of course, by the time I've got to that street lamp, I never do. And then I'm off. So always gonna go further. yeah, my encouragement would always be just for if you want to do an adventure, but you can't for whatever reasons, Think of a smaller one. And if that's still too much, think of an even smaller one. Even if it does come down to just taking a cup of coffee out into the park uh, or, or into your local woods, just start by doing something incredibly tiny. Hopefully you'll quite enjoy it. And then tomorrow you'll think, oh, that was tiny. I could do something a little bit bigger today. But the key thing is to do something and don't measure what you're doing to anyone else. If it feels adventurous and challenging and different to you then that's fine it's not we're not competing against Ronald Fiennes here yeah yeah or maybe maybe I am but that hasn't got me that hasn't got me very far in life (laughs) (laughs) yeah keep trying Alistair (laughs) (laughs) no that's great advice thank you Alistair and um finally maybe if people want to find out more about you or what you're up to or or follow you that sounds strange but if they want to find out a bit more about you where's best to for them to go yeah, I've got a podcast. I've got uh, some email newsletters. I've got some books. I'm um, on all sort of social media things. So if you're interested in any of those stuff, just Google Alistair Humphreys and you should find me in those areas. Amazing. And we'll make sure we put some of those links in the notes and things like that. But well, Alistair, thanks so much for your time this morning. I've really enjoyed our conversation, mate. Thank you very much for having me. And hopefully soon we'll get to see you face to face somewhere. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. And thank you for supporting the Youth Adventure Trust. What they do is brilliant. Absolutely. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Alistair Humphreys and we look forward to hearing more about your micro adventures. Tag us in on Instagram at Be Outside, Be Active. Finally, thank you again to our partners Run Triple Seven, where you can win the adventure of a lifetime and the Youth Adventure Trust talking about their resilience challenge. You can hear more about both of these awesome partners now.
We've got the best adventure for you to win so far this year. You could win the adventure of a lifetime worth over £3,000 with Run777. That's seven marathons in seven countries in seven days. Oh yes, it's time to redefine what's possible and be epic. Run777 isn't a race to the finish line. It's an epic adventure of achievement, camaraderie and breathtaking scenery. Join the crew as they run through the glorious scenery of the Czech Republic, Slovakia, Hungary, Croatia, Slovenia, Austria and finally Italy as they take on one incredible week filled with great food, luxury hotels and incredible people. One Run 777 Central and Eastern European Tour is up for grabs and one lucky winner stands a chance to win their spot on the May 2023 Tour. Plus, you get one-to-one coaching with Ultra Trail Cape Town winner Christian Grayling. All you need to do is enter in your details and you automatically get put into the prize draw. This is your time and it's time to be epic. Sign up at runninhigh.com forward slash win. That's R-U-N-I-N-H-I dot com forward slash win. If you've been inspired from some of our recent conversations with guests like Sir Ranulph Fiennes back on episode one, but want a bit more motivation to get outside and active during these winter months, then sign up now for the Youth Adventure Trust Resilience Run and Inspire Young Lives. We'll share the link in our notes, but you could head over to youthadventuretrust.org.uk forward slash resilience hyphen challenge. Taking place over half term week, Saturday the 19th to Sunday the 27th of February, you can complete your own challenge in a day or across an entire week. You can choose from 25, 65, 100 or even 200 kilometers on your favorite road, trails or indoors if you prefer. I've signed up with my three kiddos to see if they can do 25 kilometers of running and getting on their bikes that week. It's not a race, it's a go at your own pace style challenge to see how far you can go. There are some epic prizes to be won from the North Face, and if you do fundraise £25 or over, there'll be an epic medal winging its way to you after the challenge. So head over to youthadventuretrust.org.uk forward slash resilience hyphen challenge and sign up today.